just in a, in a, as a means to kind of focus our minds. I don't know about you guys, but always this night, especially, I got 10,000 other things floating around in my head about what ain't right or what is right or what's a mess or what things i got to deal with later on when I get down the hill. And then I was up until I spent some time with the Papix the last couple of days, and God laid a scripture on my heart. And just before Mike starts, I just want this to be our prayer as we listen the rest of the weekend that we would have uh, that we would just have this heart and and this attitude and that we would uh, we would hear from the Lord it says in first uh, Samuel chapter 3 now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days there was no frequent vision so at that time Eli whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see was lying down in his own place The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said again, I did not call, my son, Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called to Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down. And the Lord came and stood, and calling as he had at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And it's just my prayer. That's our cry right now. And as everybody shares, as each person has something to do or say or wherever, I just pray our attitude to this weekend would be that. That be our prayer. Speak, Lord. For your servant hears that we're listening for what God has for us. Amen? Amen. So before Mike starts, let me just pray real quick and I'll get out the way. Father God, we just thank you that we can be gathered in this place. We thank you for the work that you've begun, the things that you're doing. Lord, we ask that you would uh, just move abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine, Lord, that your word would be made alive. God, as uh, as the word is given from uh, our brother, Lord, that... uh, that it would be received joyfully. And God, that we would uh, just be sensitive, Lord, for that word that you have for us throughout this weekend, God. For we want to be in step with you. For he who walks in the Spirit must be in step with the Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would move in a mighty way as we lift this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jackie. I love that verse. That was the verse God gave to me when I was a young man. I had gone to Bible college, and uh, that's what God spoke to me there back in the day when I was hanging out with this hombre back in California. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. And the, uh, the, the point being, and when I hear, I will do it. I'll obey. And uh, it's an amazing journey that I've been on in all of that time. And it's kind of a just an amazing thing to be here sharing with you all and that, that fruit that comes out of a heart that says, 
I want to hear, and I want to obey. I want all that you have for me, Lord. Well, uh, I'm happy to be able to share with you this evening. Kind of fun. I, I handed out these man cards to y'all. Did everybody get one? If you didn't get one, come and see me. It's meant just as humor, right? But it's kind of fun. Anybody here already had a man card? Uh, <laughs> it's just a witnessing track, but it's kind of a fun thing, and it's a really good icebreaker. I love that. A uh, dear friend of mine who's with us here this evening, he turned me on to this verse um, out of 1 Corinthians uh, in uh, chapter 16, verse 13. It says, watch and stand fast in the faith, act like a man, and be strong. And I just love that, right? As we come together... We're here to act like men. And yet, as we consider what acting like a man would be, we have uh, an incredible example of a man in the Apostle Paul and all that, that he did that we, we look at and we just are impressed by. And, and he teaches his church in, in Galatia about what it is to be in Christ, to be in spirit, to be in the liberty to be in the freedom, to be in the grace, to be made righteous, to, to live holy, set apart spiritually to the Lord, to be able to walk in love. And as he sums up a lot of his thoughts, we get to this verse, right? First, or Galatians chapter 5.25. And I'm reading out of the New King James, so mine might sound just a little different than y'all. But it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Or be in step in the Spirit. And I I just want to share a little bit on this this evening. As I was preparing for this, I I always like to kind of go and make sure I know what is happening here. So I looked a little into the original languages, this idea of being in step. It's uh, this word, stoikeo. And not not to boggle your mind, but there's a lot of words in the Bible for being in step or walking with the Lord, and there's a lot of ways you could look at it, but this particular one, stoikeo, means to march as in military rank, and one of the things I like to look at in this verse, it says that we, if we live in the Spirit, let us also keep in step. And so, it's not something that we have to do by ourselves. It's not something that we do on our own. In fact, you cannot do it on your own. Because one of the prefaces here is that you are in the Spirit. It's you and God. But it's not just you and God. It's you and God and the body of Christ and His Holy Spirit. And so, as we are walking in rank, as we are saying, Speak, Lord, your servant hears and we line up to the will of God, we get to walk, keep step with the Lord. And so, kind of a fun thing here uh, to look at. I like in Proverbs uh, 16.9, we read, A man's heart plans his way, right? And we all have our plans, we all have our agendas, we all have our to-do lists, we all have our honeydews, we have all of the, the above. It says a man's heart plans his way, but... The Lord directs his steps. We walk in rank as unto our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. And he sets the agenda for us. And so this evening I'm going to be speaking a little bit about walking 
in step, and specifically, gracious steps. But to kind of preface that, I want to go to a poem. All of you probably could even say this verbatim. You've heard this poem before. It's called Footprints. One night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to him, the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. And he noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times of his life. This really bothered him. And he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you, right? And so as we walk in step with the Lord in the Spirit, we can be sure that Jesus will never leave us or never forsake us. But we want to take a look tonight about what that might look like, and especially for me as I share gracious steps. Gracious steps. Steps. When I say that term, what's the first image that flashes into your mind? For me, the first thing that flashes into my mind, I think of, when I think of gracious steps, I think of dancing. I think of maybe ballroom dancing, or Gene Kelly, and Danny Kaye, and Fred Astaire. Am I dating myself? Right? But some of these old school guys, you know, I don't think of Michael Jackson. I don't, I don't know why, but when I think of gracious, I think of these guys and this old school stuff. But the truth of the matter, the reality is, let me ask, how many of you guys here dance? Some of you guys got some... Okay. You got your man card? Somebody grab their man card, punch it. No, I'm teasing. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing to dance if you got rhythm. I have no soul. I have no rhythm. I am a super klutz. I can't dance. I'm envious of those who do. To take it even another level, this last December, my wife bought tickets for me to go to, of all things, a ballet. How many of you guys have been to a ballet? Don't raise your hand. Don't make everybody see. Okay, a ballet, okay, it was a nutcracker, it's Christmas time, it's a traditional thing, and I have to say, I was very impressed. I was really blown away by the athleticism of these dancers, right? If you've ever seen this stuff, the, the, the lifts and the leaps and the positions that they hold and it's just frozen, it's, it's really amazing to behold. It's something I can't even imagine, you know, doing, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a pretty neat thing. Now, maybe ballet doesn't work for you, but how about football? Have you ever seen football plays, right? Especially like at the end of the season where they take the highlights of the year and they put them in this package, right? And they take all of these bone-crushing tackles and fingertip receptions and bodies just flying over the pile into the end zone, right? But they slow it down. 
and then they add some classical music to it, right? Have you guys seen any of that? Right? And as you see this, this tackle comes like, right? And you're like, whoa, that's cool, right? It's like poetry in motion, right? It's a beautiful thing. And so even that can be quite gracious as we look at that. Well, again, I don't dance. I certainly don't do ballet. I never was big enough to play football. But what I did do as a youth in my 20s, I was into what some people call vertical ballet. I was a rock climber. I was a climbing instructor. I was a climbing bum. I lived in a tent. I lived, ate, breathed climbing. I made money teaching climbing to people, and that's how I was able to get away with my little hobby. And a couple of the things I want to talk about with gracious steps, I'm going to liken to rock climbing, mountaineering and rock climbing, and, and, and how we can learn from Jesus Christ and his gracious steps, okay? But the first thing we need to do, and I just mentioned it, is we need to have an instructor. We need to have somebody, they needed to have me to teach them how to climb. We need somebody to teach us how to have gracious steps. What instructor are we going to look for? Jesus Christ. There's none other. There's no better instructor than Jesus Christ. We read in 1 John, uh, I mean in John chapter 14, or chapter 1, 14. Okay? <laughs> First chapter of John, chapter, verse 14. And the word became flesh... And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It goes on to say in verse 16, And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If we want to have gracious steps, if we want to walk in the Spirit, and in step with our commander, Jesus Christ, we need to get close to him. He needs to become our instructor, okay? That's what they would hire me to do, to teach them in this. How to step, how to walk, how to climb, how to get over these issues that um, we have in life, how to get onto that big rock. Jesus, right? The rock. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, right? I want to climb the rock. I want to climb the big rock. And back in the day, I used to climb Yosemite. I used to climb these walls. They would take several days to climb. You'd have to spend the night several pitches up, and you'd work your way up to the top over a period of time. It was something that you worked on. But for me, it's just like, this is so cool. When I, when I was a climber, I wasn't a Christian, but it was during the time that I was a climbing guide, I came to know Christ. And all these verses from the Bible, lead me to the rock, which is higher than I, that stuff just resonated with my heart, because I just loved that idea of just getting on the rock and doing that, that dance, that gracious move over the stone. It was really cool. And then when I found out that Jesus is the rock, that he is the way, he's the way to heaven, man, my, my, my world exploded. I was sharing last week... Um, on Sunday morning, about uh, using Jesus Christ as our example, as our instructor. Back in the 1800s, there was this pastor in Topeka, Kansas, by the name of Charles Sheldon. And Charles Sheldon gave a series of sermon notes or lectures every Sunday, and then he condensed it into a book, and the book came out. It was called In His Steps. Anybody read that book? It's a Christian classic. It's a huge, big seller. 
And the premise of the book, it's with this small church, and the idea is anytime anything comes down the pipe, any issue in life, any question, any decision, any opportunity, anything you want, you always would apply this question to it. What would Jesus do, right? It was in 1989 in Holland, Michigan. A youth group pastor got a hold of that book and he started teaching his youth group and they decided they were going to come up with this idea. They were going to make these rubber bracelets with WWJD on them. Anybody been there? Have one? Know about it, right? They've made over 16 million of those to this day. But the idea is we need to go to that instructor, Jesus Christ, and say, you're the one that's full of grace and truth. And you've given us of that grace. I need what you have. I want to follow in your steps. What would Jesus do? Well, the first step as a climber is you need to tie in. Okay? When you get on the rock, you need to make sure that you have a good belay system. Okay? And that starts with the rope. And you have a harness and you make sure you use the proper knot. And you tie in properly. I, as the instructor, would always make sure. I would double-check the knot on everybody, the harness, and make sure they were securely tied in. There's a whole anchor system that goes together to keep a person safe from falling. Okay, And it's important that you don't approach that rock without having the proper protective gear. Okay, Rock climbing, most people think, is an extremely dangerous sport. It's no more dangerous than skiing or bike riding if you use the equipment properly. But without the proper equipment, you can die. You're flirting with death, right? And uh, there's a saying that goes around the climbing community. There are old climbers. I'm one of them. I still climb. I like to climb. There are old climbers, and there are bold climbers, right? I don't need no stinking rope, you know? I'm just going up the rock. But there are no old, bold climbers, okay? <laughs> I buried good friends, climbing partners on three different continents because of their recklessness and not tying in. We need to tie in to Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he says in chapter 2, he says, You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, the instructor who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. He tied us in. He anchored us to the rock that we wouldn't fall. It says, and by grace you have been saved. Grace. God's favor. God's blessing, God's gift. I love the Sunday school acronym that we teach young people. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's a gift of God, right? And it's something that I think is really important. If we're going to take and step 
in grace, the first step is always the step to the cross. That is where the climb begins, at the foot of the cross. And you can't get up the rock without going to the foot of the cross. You've got to be tied in, and then you begin climbing. It says that you were, be, you were made alive together with Christ back there in Ephesians, right? He's rich in his mercy. You were dead in your trespasses, but God tied you in and made you alive in Jesus Christ. So, by grace, you have been saved together with Christ because of God's great love. Because of God's great love. Not because you're so beautiful. Not because you're so clever. Not because you're so humorous. Not because you're so adorable. Because of Christ. Because of what he's done for us. The cross of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people go to rock climbing and they, they look at that and they say, man, that is a stupid thing to waste your time on. What is the purpose of climbing up that rock? And frankly, it's kind of hard to explain, right? Because you work really hard to get to the top and when you get to the top, what do you do? Come down, right? And do it over again, right? I remember once when I was out climbing with a group and... Uh, it was a place where there's big rock faces, but on the back, it slopes off to the back. And as I got to the top, a little kid, like a seven or eight-year-old, goes, Hey, mister, it's easier on this side. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. It's kind of foolish, right? It's kind of silly. Why would we even bother with that? But you see, Paul, again, teaching the church in Corinth, would say, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God, right? And he goes on to say, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. A stumbling block. People trip up over it all the time. People that are trying to live by the law. People are trying to live by their own power, by their own righteousness, by their own works. And every single time, you trip and fall when you hit that rock. Right? Because you're not tied in. And you haven't received the grace of God who's reached out to you in love through the cross and said, this is not foolish. This is the way. This is the truth. This is the life. You want to go to heaven, this is how we do it. Come on, tie in, okay? And so we need to have an instructor. We need to get tied in. And that tying in is at the cross. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, the grace of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. For God demonstrated his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, at a men's advance, I'm assuming the overwhelming majority of you, and I know quite a few of them, you have been walking with the Lord many years, but I 
don't want to assume. I don't know where you're at. So I want to stop before I go any farther. The first step is always the cross. That's how you walk graciously. And we must come before him and confess him as our Lord. If you're already a Christian, you can pray this with me. If you're not, pray it with me and join the family. Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I confess you are Lord. And I believe that you have been raised from the dead and given me the gift of life. So I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would now fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me walk with you all the days of my life. Amen? That's the first step. That's a gracious step right there. That's a beautiful step. The step of coming to the cross. Well, we go on with that. It's not, that's not where we end. In Ephesians chapter 2, where I was at, I'll pick up at verse uh, 6. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. When I was a, a baby Christian, when I was a new Christian, when I was busy rock climbing and doing all those things that I was doing with my life, and I got the Word of God in my hands, I started reading, and I read all the littlest books I could find first, like Jude and Philemon and Joel, right? And I ended up in Philippians, because it's pretty short, and I came across this verse, and it just hammered me and became my life verse. In Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, and I, that, that just resonated with my heart. I only have to do one thing. I can do this. Mike, knucklehead Mike on Christ, I can do one thing. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the, up, for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Right? And that was, that was what I was all about. God is going to raise us up together and make us all sit together in heavenly places. Nothing of me, all of him. God's riches at Christ's expense. He's going to call me upward. And that's what I was all about. I want to go up. I wanted to go up the rock. I want to go to heaven. I want to walk that gracious walk through life. That walk that takes me from here into glory. And so I was so happy when I saw these words and I realized that this is God's great gift to us. It's not just a gift. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches, right? The exceeding riches in Christ and his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. It's God's great pleasure to do these things for us that we can then walk in that grace, okay? Now, you can see where we're going in this, okay? Because uh, if you've been in this chapter of Ephesians very long, you know what we're going to get to, right? And we're just about there. Um, so you've got your instructor, Jesus Christ. You're tied to him through the gospel, through the, Christ, through the cross, that you confess Jesus and now you're part of him. And then 
in verse 8 in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And this is the key to walking graciously. Recognizing that it really wasn't you in the first place. It was Christ. I love what Paul says. He says, for by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And it's the grace of God in which we walk. We cannot walk graciously without Jesus as our instructor, without being tied into his cross and then going through life day by day. None of ourselves. There's this guy in the Bible. I really love him. He only gets one verse, but I just love it. And I can't wait till I get to heaven and see him. I want to give him a big old hug. His name's Rufus. You remember him? Where do we meet him? On the day that Jesus Christ is going up the Via Dolorosa, carrying his cross. And Jesus is just, you know, worn out from the scourging and the spitting and the mocking and the trial and everything that he's been through. And he's stumbling under the weight of the cross. And the centurion points to Rufus and says, hey, you, pick up his cross and help him carry it. And I just think, man, that is a picture to me of gracious steps. Now, what did Rufus do to earn that privilege? And not even really a privilege, right? He had come, no doubt, like everybody else, to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. That's why everybody was in town. And now he's defiled and ruined his whole trip. And he says he came from Africa. I mean, that's a long ways to go just to be there and then have your whole experience, your whole vacation go down the drain. And now you're carrying a criminal's crucifixion bar on you. And yet every step that Rufus stepped carrying that cross of Christ, that was a gracious step. That was a gift that God gave Rufus. Now, I'm sure none of us would like to have to stop what we're doing and be interrupted because a phone call comes in or somebody's knocking at the door, your kids come running in or they have something they need, right? And a total distraction and interruption of your life but something God sent your way and you have an opportunity to stop your agenda and meet their needs like God met our needs and you pick up your cross daily and follow Him. That's what gracious steps looks like. There's no more gracious steps than Jesus Christ Himself going up to Calvary on our behalf. That's what walking in grace really is a picture of, is surrendering our lives to God. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. And doing whatever it is he would lay on your back. That's gracious stepping, right? That's in line with our leader, Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, who... For the joy set before him, despising the shame, went to the cross on our behalf. Those are gracious steps, and those are steps we would do well to follow into. Well, kind of 
just going forward then and trying to wrap this all up, as I would teach people to climb, right? I'm their instructor. They're coming to me for directions. I'm watching them. I'm making sure they're tied in. We would begin climbing. And as we begin climbing, there's some things that you always say. If you guys are climbers, you might have experienced this before. But there's this thing called the belay. And it's the whole anchor system. It starts with the rope tied at your harness. It'll wind its way up through different pieces of protection, anchored to the rock, affixed to carabiners, and it'll eventually loop down to the other person who's holding that rope as a break in the event that you would fall. That is your belayer. And you are the belay-e. And as you get ready to climb, you say to your belayer, belay on? It's a question. And when the belayer is ready and attentive and he's got you, he answers back, belay on, right? So you can practice that with me. Belay on. Belay on. And then when I hear you say belay on, then I say, climbing, it's a question. And when they're ready for you to climb, they say, climb on. Okay? Climbing. Climb on. Very good. Okay. So, this is what we would teach, because you want to make sure that you're in sync, that you're in having good communication, that you and your belayer are at one on the rock. Now, of course, you're up on the rock, and they're at the anchor point holding you, but it's, it's a total teamwork. You've got to be tied in. You've got to be connected. You've got to be in really good communication with your belayer. And then I would teach people three things that you need in order to successfully climb the rock. And I broke it into three things that start with B. Breathing, balance, and bones. Okay? And if you're going to climb the rock, you're going to need all three of those. Okay? For starters, one of the first things I see a lot of people do when they get up on the rock and all of a sudden they realize, if I fell from here, I could get hurt. And they start hyperventilating. And what I have to tell them? Breathe. You need to keep breathing, right? If you want to climb this rock, you're going to have to control your breathing. Just take nice, big, deep, calm breaths. Have fun up there, right? Breathe. As a Christian, as we go through life, a lot of times we find ourselves like Peter who stepped out of the boat. Gracious step, Pete. But then he looks around and he sees the wind and the waves and the billows and he freaks out, right? (laughs) And there he goes down in the water. Help, Lord! And the Lord reaches down. He's got him on belay, pulls Pete out, puts him back in the boat. Everything's good, okay? But what you need in your gracious steps is to breathe. For a Christian, that's prayer. It's just that, that, that breathing in and breathing out, the daily conversation that you have with God, the daily experience that you have of just walking in his presence and letting that breath of life just wash over you and through you and fill you, and calm you, and strengthen you, and give you courage. So you need to breathe. You also need bones, okay? And by bones, what I mean is your skeletal system. When you're climbing on a rock, you have your muscular system, you have your skeletal system. Your skeleton is way stronger than your muscles, way stronger than your flesh, okay? And if you're going to try to climb a rock, I see this all the time when I would uh, instruct like a, a couple, a, a husband and a wife or, you know, somebody that's dating, a boy and a girl, and they'd come out to climb with me. And the guy is buff, right? That's why they went climbing anyways. And he'd drug along his girlfriend because we want to go climbing, right? And he's going to have this moment on the rock, right, and really show his girlfriend 
how studly he is, what that gym has been doing for him. And so he's got all this muscle. And the girlfriend often doesn't, right? And even if she does, even if she's in good shape, physiologically, most females are lower center of gravity. They've got more mass this direction than they do this direction. And so she's not going to try to grasp and reach and claw her way up the rock, right? She's going to have to rely on her skeletal system. And this comes into play with balance. You need to take and stand on the rock. I wonder what that might have to do with gracious steps. Standing on the rock, okay? If I said to somebody, come on over here and just walk up these stairs to me, how many of you guys would be afraid of doing that? Nobody, right? It's no big deal. In climbing, we have different grades of climbing. They call them class one, two, three, four, and five. Class one is walking on a flat surface, right? That's about class three, okay? Technically, that's why they put a rail here, you might trip and stumble on class three. You could fall. Class four, you're likely to fall if you don't have something to hold your hands. Maybe like a, a ladder, like a step ladder at your house. Class five is the kind of climbing where if you let go, you're going down, okay? Whatever, how steep it might be, it'd be like climbing up the side of a silo or something. That could be class five, okay? There's a fall coming if you let go. And so I would teach them, you can't, if, if you were to come up here, how stupid would this be if you came over here and you sized this thing up and you thought, I can do this, I got this, no problem, and you started climbing up the stairs, right? That's just dumb, right? Why would you use your arm and your muscle and all of that to come up that? What do you do? You go up on your feet. You stand on the rock. And that's what I would tell them. And so, at the end of every day, as I would take these guys and gals out on the climb, first day, the women always blew the guys away. Because they had lower center of gravity, they didn't have a big ego, they didn't rely on the flesh, but they would breathe, and they would balance, they would use their skeletal system, and they would far excel. Now you take a guy, and you get him to do those things properly, over time, his strength will become a, a help and not a hindrance, and he'll do a little bit better. But it's the same with us, in climbing, we, or in walking through life, walking that gracious life. We've got to breathe, right? There's nothing gracious about seeing an athlete going around, <laughs> right? What makes them gracious is they do it as if they're not even trying, right? That's what's just amazing when you see this athlete just go for this long pass, and they just do it as though they do it every day, right? And Stuff that we can't do. They're just breathing, right? And they're balanced, They've got their, their selves centered over their gravity and they're using their skeletal system to their advantage. For the Christian, that's prayer, that's standing on the rock, and the bones is the Word of God. This is your skeleton. This is what you lean into. This is the rock that you stand on. And when you put all those together, then you find yourself in balance. I was taught from my pastor to read my Bible and pray every day. Read your Bible and pray every day. And when you pray and you read your Bible, 
you'll find you have balance. And you'll begin walking graciously. You'll have gracious steps. But if you're not having gracious steps and you feel a little bit like a klutz on the dance floor or somebody that's not quite having the Christian walk work out for them, I would check back on the balance and the bones and the breathing and see if you aren't centered over the rock in prayer and in the Word. Okay? And so, finally, finishing up with all of this, in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, and this is the part that I just love. It says, For we are His workmanship. Okay, that means He made us. It was His idea. It was His plan. He executed it. We are just the servant. Speak, Lord, your servant hears, okay? It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that's a beautiful thing when you start walking in the works that God prepared for you and you. And whatever it is that God prepared you for, the giftings, the callings, the grace that he's poured upon you, the person that he's created you to be, when you start living out that, your life begins to be gracious. It's a thing of beauty. It's poetry in motion. In fact, that word for workmanship is the word poema. And it means that you are God's masterpiece. You are poetry in motion. You are His grace made perfect. And I would just rest in a couple other thoughts, right? Uh, we, we look at grace in the Scripture, and it says to consider the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor, right? And if we want to walk graciously, we're going to learn to walk generously, as God has so richly blessed us, we want to be blessers. That's gracious steps. We also read that we should let no corrupt words proceed from our mouths, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And so as we're generous, it's not just with our time or our money, but our words that our words would be gracious. They would be edifying and building others up. We are to let the word of Christ dwell richly in our hearts, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so we have an opportunity to walk graciously in wisdom and discipling, encouraging and even rebuking, but in song, in grace, in that grace that God has put in our hearts. And we are to walk in wisdom to those who are outside, redeeming the time and letting our speech always be with grace. So it's not just amongst the brothers, it's not just with our wives and children, but it's in the community, it's at work, it's in the grocery store, it's out at, on the streets that we are walking in grace, filled with grace, and then speaking that grace to others. And we are encouraged to come boldly 
to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We are to seek after God's grace. Because, you know, you can't do it without it. It's impossible. If he's not your instructor, if you're not tied in, if you have no breathing and balance and bones, if you're just going off half-cocked, you're going to fall. And you'll stumble. And you'll look foolish. But in grace, you'll find that life becomes poetry in motion. And therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Gracious steps are steps of service. Steps of laying down our lives, picking up His cross, and following Him daily as we would serve everybody else about us. And think of the people that you know of that you think are gracious people. It says also in 1 Peter, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has given His grace to each and every one of us. And He's given us giftings. He's given us abilities in the Holy Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And God has put in you giftings. And we should walk in those gifts. That's a gracious looking person. And finally, it says, Be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but He'll give grace to the humble. And so as we have a a generous, wholesome, helpful, wise, encouraging, hungry for the Lord, servant attitude, working in our gifts humbly, we will become that gracious person. But remember, it always comes back to the cross. And it always comes back to Jesus Christ. And you can't get untethered from Him or you'll find... (laughs) that it doesn't work, okay? So, and finally, Peter encourages us to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to grow in our gracious steps. Men, advance. Grow in grace and in these good gifts that God has given us. And finally, I want to close with that poem that I opened with, but it's a different version. You may have heard this one as well. Imagine you and the Lord Jesus walking down the road together. For much of the way, the Lord's footprints go along steadily, consistently, rarely varying the pace. But your prints are a disorganized stream of zigzags, starts, stops, turnarounds, circles, departures, and returns. For much of the way, it seems to be going like this. But gradually, your footprints come more in line with the Lord's, soon paralleling His consistently. You and Jesus are walking as true friends. This seems perfect, but then an interesting thing happens. Your footprints that once etched the sand next to the Master's are now walking precisely in His steps. Inside His larger footprint is your smaller print, safely enclosed. You and Jesus are becoming one. This goes on for many miles, but gradually you notice another change. The footprint inside the larger footprint seems to grow larger. Eventually, it disappears altogether. 
There is only one set of footprints now. They have become one. Again, this goes on for a long time, but then something awful happens. The second set of footprints is back. And this time, it seems even worse. Zigzags are all over the place, stops, starts, deep gashes in the sand, a veritable mess of prints. You're amazed and shocked. But this is the end of your dream. Now you speak. Lord, I understand the first scene with the zigzags, the fits and starts and so on. I was a new Christian, just learning. But you walked on through the storm and helped me learn to walk with you. And Jesus smiled and said, that's correct. Yes, and when, I, when the smaller footprints were inside of yours, I was actually learning to walk in your steps. I followed you very closely. Very good, said Jesus. You have understood everything so far. Then the smaller footprints grew and eventually filled in yours. I suppose that I was actually growing so much that I was becoming like you in every way. Precisely, said the Lord. But this is my question, Lord. Was there a regression or something? Did I backslide? The footprints went back to two, and this time it was worse than the first. And the Lord smiles and he laughs and he says, Didn't you know? That's when we danced. And that's what I would encourage you in, is to walk graciously in step with the Spirit, in step with your brothers and sisters until life becomes joy, that our walk with the Lord becomes a dance. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we recognize that in us there is no good thing, but in you, Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, you deliver us to the Father, to heaven. And Lord, we thank you so much that you have gone before us, that we can follow you, that Lord, we can put our trust in you, that we can tie into you, securely tethered, Lord, through every trial that comes down the way. And that, Lord, as we go through life together, you are always by our side, encouraging us in our breathing, in our balance, and in leaning into your word. And, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that for each of the men that have come here, Lord, we have set a time aside in our life where we would hear from you, as Pastor Jackie has said, that our hearts this weekend would be tuned into one heart that says, Speak. I want to hear your voice. I want to know, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Help me hear, Lord. In this room, at this moment, as I put my head on the pillow tonight, as I have conversation with my brothers, let me be aware, Lord, that you have something to say to me. I want to grow in your grace. I want to know you deeper. I want to dance with you. Help me, Lord Jesus, to hear you and to hear the music and just to dance. For you, my King, you are worthy. Amen? Amen.